Welcome to Tune In YRDSB, inspiring learning through storytelling. Welcome to Tune In YRDSB. Today, we're talking about something on a lot of families' minds this summer kindergarten, what to expect, how to help prepare your child to start school and how we continue to create safe, warm, and welcoming kindergarten classrooms during a pandemic. Hello everyone, I'm Laura Shabaro, Principal Lead for the Early Years Within Curriculum and Instructional Services at the York Region District School Board. I work with a team comprised of educators from across York Region. This team creates and offers resources that support educator practice. Collaboratively, our goal is to build school and classroom environments where students experience a sense of mattering and belonging. We value families as partners in education and seek opportunities that build positive, ongoing, and responsive relationships. We hope that families will engage with us throughout their time at the York Region District School Board. This is part one of a part two podcast. We know families have a lot of questions about what they can expect when their children start kindergarten in the fall, and we want to ensure we get to them all. I am joined by a York Region parent and a kindergarten team of educators from Johnny Lombardi Public School. I will turn this over to them to introduce themselves. Welcome everyone. My name is Rita Angelotti, proud principal of Johnny Lombardi Public School in York Region. I have two amazing educators are part of our kindergarten team, Mrs. Wolfstadt and Ms. Korea. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi everyone, I'm Hannah Wolfstadt, a kindergarten teacher at Johnny Lombardi Public School, and I work with my amazing partner. Hi, uh, I'm Falguni Korea, and I'm an early childhood educator uh, working with Hannah Wolfstadt at Johnny Lombardi Public School. And we are joined today by an amazing parent from an amazing family, Camille. Go ahead, Camille. Hello, everyone. My name is Camille Graham, and I am a parent of a six, three, and seven-month-old. Uh, my six-year-old has actually been in Miss Wolfstead and Miss Korea's class before, and my three-year-old is about to enter into kindergarten to also be in their class. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our conversation is going to focus on answering questions for families who have a child entering kindergarten in September. We know that with the pandemic, we have had a number of barriers, limitations, and restrictions that have impacted families. Due to public health restrictions, we are unable to open schools for family visits at this time. Many families in the York Region District School Board have not had an opportunity to come into the school for a visit, to see the educators working with their child in September, or to meet the principal of the school. During these visits and meeting times, families typically have the opportunity to ask questions. This year, some families have asked questions via email, telephone, correspondence, and so on. This podcast serves as an additional opportunity for questions to be answered by a team of kindergarten educators and the school principal. We've invited Camille, parent whose child is entering kindergarten in September, she will be asking questions on your behalf. We hope that her questions resonate with you and the answers provided by the kindergarten team will help you better understand what September may look like for your child. Thank you everyone for being with us today. Before we start, 
Camille, I want to acknowledge that you have had a child in kindergarten who is now in grade two, and this is your second child entering kindergarten this September. Two children starting kindergarten in very different circumstances. I am looking forward to hearing your insights and your comparisons. I'm sure you have many questions for the team today about September. I'll turn it over to you. My first question is, what are some of the ways that schools are working to keep children safe during the pandemic? A very good question, Camille. Thank you for that. It's not only our children that are, we are working and striving each day to keep safe, but all our staff and all our visitors who come into our building. The very first thing we, all, we started with was a training for staff. So all staff went through a vigorous training where they learned the protocols that were in place. They had to ensure that they had all the information in order to ensure that the classroom was safe, but they also kept themselves safe and the children in the classroom safe. But also when children moved through the school. So we had some concerns around shared materials. We had some concerns around social distancing. We had some concerns around masks and hygiene. All of those were discussed with staff and they went through that training. What I can tell you is that our public health um, directives that we follow are constantly um, abreast of what we're doing in York Region. So we are making sure that what is happening in our classrooms is what is exactly what public health is saying we should be doing to keep ourselves safe. So when your child comes to school, you need to be assured that not only do the teachers within that building know what to do, but also the staff throughout the building as your child maneuvers through the building. So taking into account that your child will be wearing a mask, taking into account that we will be maintaining social distancing, that the rooms are cleaned frequently throughout the day and also at the end of the day, and that while your child is in the classroom, all staff are well aware of all the safety protocols. I can add just a little bit about the classroom as well. Um, so um, one thing that we're very big on within the classroom is the cleaning of hands and the cleaning of the materials, any of shared materials. So students are still able to play with each other, um, maintaining as much distancing as possible. Um, so for example, if they were at the block center and then they wanted to go to a new center, we would ask them, and this took um, teaching at the beginning of the year, but we would ask them to go and wash their hands before going to a new center. And we're fortunate in our kindergarten classrooms to have um, sinks available uh, so students can go throughout the day to wash their hands and then before going to a new center for example maybe they want to then go play at the writing table they're able to wash their hands before going to those new centers and wherever possible students had their own personal materials so within the classroom they were able to have their own whiteboard their own clipboard and a personal bag of materials that is specific just to them with their um, markers, crayons, pencil crayons that are just for them. Also, I would like to add uh, over to what Hannah said is that we have like the chairs that they sit on, we have, you know, labeled each and every child's chair so that they're not, you know, sharing those those materials as well, like those um, chairs or even the spots on the tables when they, they go for snack. After every snack, it is made sure that it's sanitized before a new bunch of children said. For lunch time, they all have their specific spots. They can change if they do want to. However, we kind of make sure that, you know, it is sanitized, it is, uh, you know, ready for them to go ahead and sit on those spots. 
also for hand washing, uh, we have, you know, we ensure that there is dis distancing. So we have put some uh, markers on the floor so that when they line up, they know they have to be on those markers. So automatically they are distanced while they are standing in those lines, whether it's outside after recesses or for hand washing. One of the, although there's a lot of unknowns right now when it comes to September, we do know from public health already that our elementary students will continue in cohorts. Cohorts supports the um, ensuring that we're not mixing too many children together. So if we should have a case, we know who to focus on. And again, I was just going to say the, the benefit of the kindergarten classroom is that we do have sinks. So whenever possible, we also get them to wash hands rather than a sanitize if, if possible in the kindergarten classrooms. Can I ask um, what is in the sanitizer? What type of sanitizer is it? So all our products come directly from our head office uh, and it's sourced by the head office. It's not, we don't, individual schools don't source out any of the PPE. That includes our masks, our goggles, um, and our sanitizers. In regards to the supplies that are in the classroom, um, should I be sending my child to school with anything that they were gonna need? So right now we're asking that parents not send anything into school, uh, especially in our primary grades. Most of the supplies have been provided by the classroom. When we're in our older grades, sometimes they're asked to bring in things like binders or sometimes kids prefer their own personal pencil case. But in our primary classrooms, including kindergarten, we provide everything that you need for your child outside of things like your lunch and your snack containers. And at one point, um... I believe the teachers mentioned that the students will be able to play with each other while allowing for social distancing. Um, is that in the classroom or is that outside when they have recess? Like, what does that look like? Can you explain a bit more about that? So it's within the classroom and outside. So we encourage, we strongly encourage masks in kindergarten. This past year, they weren't mandatory. We're unsure if that will remain the same based on public health guidelines. Um, but students are strongly encouraged to wear masks, and a lot of our kindergarten students do wear masks. Um, and something that we have is we, not, I wouldn't say limits, but we have kind of recommendations in order to be able to maintain distancing, um, how many students can be at an activity or a center together. So for example, if we have a table, rather, you know, normally there would be chairs at every spot. Now we normally, we put little stickers on the table so that students know where they can put their chairs. And we don't really, we used to have the carpet. This year, this past year, we didn't really have the carpet or any floor activities. So it was always at a table. So we are able to maintain that distance by having those little stickers to mark where students could put their chairs. They wouldn't necessarily be directly beside a student. There may be, or there would be that one meter space in between but they can still interact at the same table and with the same materials as long as hands have been washed before and after, and then care is taken in between for the educators to take care of washing and wiping down the materials in between uses. So I would like to be able to promise you that kids stay apart from each other when they're playing outside, but unfortunately that's not a reality. Uh, education is the is the key for us. So not only is it important for staff and the, at, at school to review with students and uh, the parameters that are necessary to keep us all safe. Can I ask about uh, the washrooms? I'm wondering um, if the students uh, will be using the same washrooms as the teachers, but also um, like, do the students have to use the same washrooms as the other kids in the school? What is that set up like? 
so staff and, and students have separate washrooms. Um, so that's throughout COVID and, and other times as well. So staff and students don't share the same washrooms. And then again, within the kindergarten classroom, we do have uh, um, sort of our own washrooms. So separate from the grade one to eight washrooms. And if my child uh, needs to use the washroom, do they can they go to it at any given time? Or is it like a designated time that they have to make sure to use it? Children are free to go whenever, you know, we normally in initially train them to tell us before they go so we know who's in there. We can make sure that, you know, it's uh, before another child goes in, it's safe for them to go. So we do, we do ensure that, uh, you know, there are no accidents whenever they want to go, they can just go. Um, just letting us know if possible, if it's an urgent one, they can just run whenever they need to. Uh, well, talking about different facilities in the school, can I ask about uh, like the library, the gym? Um, during COVID, have students been going to those particular areas? Do they have access to those types of activities or what does that look like now? So a very good question and we expect some change to happen with that over, um, over the next few months as public health revamps some of their directives. Right now, the gym was completely used, and, whereas the library was not. So whereas before kids would go to the library and go through books, it was the other way around. The library kind of came to the students. Teachers were able to bring books into the classrooms. Um, so just to add to what Rita was saying, um, with regards to the library, um, as Rita said, the books kind of came to us this year. And so in addition to that, normally we send home books. Um, we call them borrow books or home reading books. We normally send those home. We were unable to do that this year. However, the board had purchased the license to a few online resources, which were wonderful because parents were able to use that at home, especially um, when we were um, learning virtually, we were using those for our guided reading programs. And so then parents could then read those same books at home with their child. They were given the, the appropriate login. Um, and going back to the gym, um, the gym was in full use this year. And just like in the classroom with um, wiping down of materials and sanitizing materials, it was the same. Before and after, hands were sanitized and materials were sanitized in between uses. Um, and I was just going to add, sorry, on that note, um, even though the gym was used for classes, unfortunately we couldn't have any um, whole school assemblies or kind of activities in the gym, but we were still able to have, we had virtual assemblies um, just as we would normally. They were just held virtually. Um, and we were also able to have a few, I guess, guest speakers this year, you would call them. Not really a field trip, but we had some guest speakers that we were able to do virtually as well. So we couldn't use the gym for that, but we were able to host those virtually this year. Um, so students weren't missing out. So I just wanna go back a bit and ask about, in regards to COVID-19, uh, what is the protocol should someone in my child's class start to exhibit symptoms or test positive for COVID? So that's a really good question. Uh, what I can share is the protocol is similar throughout all of York Region and all of York Region schools. So the very first step is ensuring that the parents have done the self-assessment with the support of the child before you come to school. So every parent receives the checklist at the beginning of the year. It was changed a couple of times. It was tweaked a bit by public health, but every time it was, it was sent back. And the questions are very uh, direct. And if your child is exhibiting any of those symptoms, you're asked to stay at home. But it's not only just your child that would be asked to stay at home. When we left um, in June, 
it was anyone in the house had to stay home if you were going to a school or child care center. So if one of your children is sick, the other child needs to remain at home also. But barring all that and your, all your children are healthy and they come to school, it's not unusual for, for symptoms to arise through the course of the day. If your child exhibits any of those symptoms that are on the COVID checklist, your child is then removed from the classroom and placed in what we call our wellness isolation room. Sometimes we're aware that your child, for example, may have allergies and you, you have shared that information with us and you say, you know, particularly May and June are very difficult months for my child. If that's a pre-existing condition, then we wouldn't be called on that. But if your child is exhibiting a fever that you never knew about because you did the self-assessment earlier, that's a new symptom. So you would be asked to come back to the school to pick up your child. And again, depending on what public health shares with us, because it changed over the course of the year, whether or not your child had to go and receive a clean bill of health from a practitioner, um, or if you had to actually go for a COVID test and receive a negative, or if you actually just had to self-isolate. So any one of those are possible. Again, it will, it will depend on what public health tells us. Our goal is not in any way to shun your child, to make your child feel that they're being in any way left out of anything, but it is to ensure that your child is safe and that everyone else in the classroom is safe so that we can continue to have a, a, a nurturing environment where we can all learn together. And I could just add to that, um, confidential sorry, confidentiality is um, kept. So other families and other students would not know, you know, which, if there was someone in the class that had COVID, we wouldn't know which student or which child that was. And then um, from the classroom perspective, we would then pivot to an, on. sorry, if the whole class was shut down um, due to a case within a class, then we would um, pivot to an online, to a virtual classroom. So I will say that sometimes, and very often, most of the symptoms that children had did not lead to COVID. But we did have cases of COVID within our school, and we were very well um, positioned in order to manage a case. Um, and there are protocols that we would follow once a case has been confirmed by public health. We don't do the confirming. Public health does the confirming based on the information uh, parents provide and based on the information that we're able to share. And then when and if a classroom has to be shut down, um, there is a protocol that, that we would follow. The first being that the class that is affected would be contacted. Parents would be contacted in a, in a few ways. We were fortunate enough often to be able to contact parents directly by phone. Sometimes we had it came to us very short notice so we sent an email and sometimes the board sent text messages to parents once the classroom was informed then the community was informed also to ensure that everyone was aware that we had a case within our school in order to return back into the school there is a protocol that not only um, the staff would have to follow but the parent would have to follow if the parent was if it was a parent of a child that actually had covid if someone at home uh, ends up testing positive or I see symptoms in my child, especially as I do their assessments, what is the best course of action for me to take as far as 
uh, before sending them to school. Open and honest communication is the way we're going to make it through this. And by no means do we want to know your personal information, but it helps us in planning and ensuring that we are prepared for when the children return back into the classroom. So while parents do not have to reveal whether they have a positive or a negative test, there is a protocol that's in place. Um, if you have a case within your house, right now the protocol is that everyone has to remain. If you have someone who's tested, uh, if you have a, a family member who's tested negative but they've been exposed to a case in their workplace, there's a protocol that has to take place. You're, you sharing the information with us helps us, but it also ensures that everyone is protected. If public health changes in September, we will let parents know exactly what the guidelines are because public health sends us information that we send out to our families. And that's the, the key point. It's not Johnny Lombardi School making up these, uh, these directives and these regulations. It's coming directly from public health and we follow exactly what public health tells us to do. The best thing you can do is that if you have com a confirmed case, contacting the school, we keep it as private as we possibly can, helps us ensure that it doesn't spread within the classroom, doesn't spread into other people's homes, and doesn't spread throughout our whole school. In regards to the mask wearing, um, my child has not really been in many public settings because of COVID prior to now going to school. Um, we do try to encourage him to wear a mask uh, whenever possible, so that way he could also get used to it. But if he, because he generally will pull it down uh, whenever we're even out in public and things. Um, so if he does that at school, um, will the teachers be prompting the students and trying to encourage the students to always have them on? So yes, we do encourage. There's always gentle reminders. There are times when they might be sitting down for a whole group time when we would encourage if they are playing in the classroom uh, even while they are having their snack or lunch is the time when they're not going to wear their masks and you know uh, we do remind them that once they take them off they put them away and they put on a new if uh, another one a fresh one if they have if not then they put it away safely in a paper bag so that you know they can reuse it washing hands every time before and after removing the mask so those reminders are all also part of learning that happens at school when they come to kindergarten it's a lot of a lot of teaching at the beginning in september through videos and and books like Falguni said so that we get to a comfortable place and then also the practice at home as well which is awesome if you've if you've already started that to be able to kind of work together we're doing some things at school you're doing some things at home and we can work together to make it as comfortable and normal I guess as possible for him to be wearing a mask and sometimes they might come saying oh my mom forgot to give me or you know I did not bring them we do have a few small uh, kids size masks in our classrooms provided by the school board so we do offer them that if they are comfortable using it they are more than welcome to use those as well can I ask in regards to the mask uh, what type of mask should I send my child to school with? Should it be a medical mask? Should it be like a, at least a three-plied mask? Um, like what is the best option or what is the like mandate that we should follow as far as what they should be wearing? So the mask right now, public health is recommending a three-ply mask. Um, you can choose to have a two-ply mask. That's up to you. And you can choose to have a 
store-bought one or a handmade one. It's totally up to you right now. Again, it's what sometimes when children have an opportunity to pick their own masks, like it's a Batman mask or it's got dinosaurs on it or it's got whatever it happens to be, um, sometimes that makes it more personalized and they want to keep it on longer. So that's a, a suggestion you may want to take. Um, again, the wearing of masks is to support their safety. So when it comes to education, reviewing why we're doing it frequently with your child really goes a long way. And I would like to ask in regards to uh, busing, I assume that uh, mask wearing is required on busing as well, because I assume it's school property. Um, so my concern is um, how many children will technically be on the bus? Do the children, will they also be in like the cohorts as you mentioned, so that way they're grouped in a certain way? Um, and again, are the mask required on the buses or will windows be opened? Can you speak to that at all? Yes, transportation continued throughout COVID. Yes, students will wear their masks on the bus. The, the key for us is that the bus driver needs to ensure that he or she is focused on driving and keeping all students safe. So again, this is a piece for as a parent to, yes, when you get on the bus, please keep your mask on. Windows are always opened, and that's at the discretion of the, prince, of the bus driver. What we try to do is once students have identified that they will be using the bus, because there could be many students that have access to the bus, but parents have chosen, which was, uh, sorry, which was very common that parents, some parents chose to not to let their ch children ride the bus this year, they drove them to and from school. So what, once we know we have confirmed who the children are that are on the bus, then what we try to do is keep them in their cohorts as close as possible. So we try to keep the kindergarten children that are in the same cohort close together, but we also try to keep our youngest children near the front of the bus, right? So we try to make sure that when they have to exit the bus, if they're a, a, just a, a lonely only a kindergarten child, the bus driver is able to turn very quickly and say, okay, you need to make sure you get off the bus. We also try to keep siblings together so that way, even though they may not be in the same cohort, they're going home to the same family. So it's not gonna really make a difference. So we try to space it out as much as possible. We did have empty seats in between, but again, it all depends on how many students actually take the bus. And just to add on to that, I don't know what it will be again like next year, um, but there was an actual seating plan. So like Rita said, um, siblings were together or whenever possible, um, students from the same cohort and the same class were together. And that was there was a, an actual seating plan that in past years we haven't had. And again, we're not positive if that will be the case with public health this year. Um, but there were, um, students had specific seats on one side of the bus and then window or aisle so that they had a specific spot to go to. Can I ask in regards to supports for kids? Uh, for example, like my child uh, does not know how to open all of the things that he will want to snack on on his own. Um, with COVID in mind, are teachers allowed to assist the students in opening those types of things? Um, and, or do I need to send my child to school with like only containers that they can open? 
uh, Camille, for sure we would, there would always be an adult in the classroom who would be there to help your child. So in case of snack or at lunchtime, if the child cannot open a, a container, for sure we will be there to help them. We'll also be making sure that whatever they have that they are eating, we would not kind of force them, but would give them gentle reminders to eat their food uh, at lunch or snack. Uh, and always there to be, we'll always be there to help them out, so not a worry. Camille, one, one of the things I always suggest to parents is that have them practice at home with the same containers that you're going to send them to school with. So actually when you're setting up snack at home, put them in the containers that they're going to get used to using at school. And the other piece is have them be a part of the planning process of what they're going to have for snack and what they're going to have for lunch. Sorry, I can't remember if we touched on this already. Um, the kindergarten program has a self-regulated snack approach. So rather than having lunchtime is, is all at the same time and that's, you know, um, school-based that, you know, everyone has, has lunch at the same time system-wide. Um, but in kindergarten, rather than having, you know, okay, it's 10 o'clock and everyone's going to sit down to snack. We have some students that come in and they're hungry, you know, at 8.30 because they haven't had breakfast. Or some students had a big breakfast and they're not hungry till 10.30. So um, in the kindergarten program, we have a self-regulated approach that students can go to our designated snack table at any time. Um, we teach at the beginning of the year, you, you go to snack, that means that you wash your hands before, you make sure that there's a spot available, especially um, this past year with COVID, as I think Falguni had mentioned earlier, we always wipe the tables down in between uses. So, you know, there has to be a spot and, you know, usually it's five minute wait time before someone else can go sit down, but then students can have snack whenever they want. And again, it's monitored by the educators. We're not going to let them have snack all morning because then they're not going to have their, their planned learning time. Um, you know, or, you know, there's some students that may go back three times. And so we monitor that and we, um, support as possible but students can go whenever they want and then usually close to lunchtime is when we kind of say okay you know last call for snack if anyone wants to have snack but then it's generally I guess you can say closed because you know it's 15 minutes to lunch and we don't want them eating so close to snack uh, sorry so close to lunch um but then again students are free to go and like Felguni mentioned they may have their lunch they may want their pasta in the morning or their sandwich but as long as they're kind of making those choices for themselves and um, developing that independence that is what our goal is for for that self-regulated snack approach. I was saying even though it's self-regulated snack and they can go whenever they want there is an uh, accountability that means we would have uh, either clothespins with their names or popsicle sticks with their names and as soon as they're finished having the snack they move it out so they they just before at snack time or just before lunch we know how many of them already had and who did not so kind of then gentle reminders if you didn't have go ahead and have it so that we ensure that everybody has had some snack from what they had brought it from home. Does it matter how many snacks I send to school for my child? Because I will be honest, he is not big on eating um, meals necessarily. He prefers snacks throughout the day. Um, so does it matter that, like, how many snacks I send compared to what his actual lunch looks like? 
anything as much as you know you can send five knowing that he might eat two out of it uh, whatever he is comfortable whatever you feel he's going to eat and he's aware what he has as rita said something that he has had his voice in because his voice is important for him to eat because otherwise many times we have seen that they would say oh no i didn't want this oh i don't like it i don't know why my mom is packing we hear that a lot and we even heard one saying oh my mom doesn't know how to cook so it's better you ask the child what they want so that they will happily eat and as educators we then get to know like we know okay you know this student doesn't have you know the big sandwich or the big you know chicken or pasta or pizza or whatever they're going to bring as the big lunch and we get to know their kind of eating styles and habits and they're happy and they're not complaining and so they just have more snacky foods to eat throughout the day including lunch like and that's what works for your child and that totally works and we'll learn that that's what is perfect for them and um, it's whatever will suit them best. Thank you Camille for your thoughtful questions and thank you to our kindergarten team Falguni, Hannah and Rita for joining us today. This concludes part one of this podcast. Please join us for part two when we answer more questions about what families can expect when they return to kindergarten in the fall, including kindergarten routines and what to expect from the hybrid model. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for TuneIn YRDSB. Please join us next time to continue the conversation.